Hey, yo, and here we go. Another episode of We Talk Music on the air and in your ear. Once again, I am Martin. I'm joined by the king of the casters, Mr. Brett Podcast. Brett, uh, this is a kind of a bucket list interview for us. We've been admirers of this man for a long time. That's right. I remember the days when the very first XYZ album came out and we heard the song Souvenirs and our collective minds were blown. And later on, we had a chance to meet this gentleman very briefly when he played with Great White. Now he is out with Land of Gypsies. He is Terry Illus. Terry, how are you? Thank you so much for being on the show. Well, Brett and Martin, uh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm honored for the introduction. I really appreciate that. Uh, and uh, it's very kind of you. Nice words. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, it's well, just... We've been huge yeah. fans for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, As thank you. Say, the song Souvenirs is one of the best power ballads of the era. You wow. know, and uh, and now you've come out with maybe the best album of the year, you know, in Land oh. of Gypsies. I, I, I had Jeff Scott Soto uh, Duets Collection as my album of the year. And then right. this came about, and it's late December, and I'm going, now i got to make a decision. <laughs> I think <laughs> Land of Gypsies is the album of the year. It's fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Okay. No, it's it's incredible. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, okay, Land of Gypsies, formerly called Gang of Souls. Let's yeah. let's talk about the album. Let's t- but let's talk about the band first. The band. Well, I, I tell you, how it happened. To be honest with you, the way it happened is, um, uh, uh, Frontiers contacted me um, a while ago and asked me if I wanted to do a new album. And I said, yeah, why not? But I know that Frontiers tend to do albums that are very 80s AOR oriented. And I told them, I said, it's really, it's really not what I want to do and no disrespect, you know. And um, they said, all right, what do you have in mind? I said, I want to go back to what I really like to do, which is my roots, you know, um, something close to early Foreigner, early um, Batco, um, uh, uh, you know, white, early Whitesnake, um, before the uh, the era of, uh, of, uh, of Keith Olsen, all that stuff. So, which is great, by the way, too, but it's really what I like is the other old, old White Snake. I said, and he said, okay. I said, well, we have the perfect guy for you. And uh, they introduced me to um, Fabrizio Grotti, uh, who's a great producer. And uh, Fabrizio and, and I got, got, along, got along together. I mean, so well right away. It was like, boom, we were on. So we understood uh, we wanted the same type of music. We uh, we had the same uh, vibe as far as uh, 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 arrangements and everything. And then we decided to to work together. And he said, I had the perfect band for you. So he called me. He said, okay, listen, I got this guy, this guitar player named Serge. Um, and um, you may have never heard of him, but he's brilliant. And I have this drummer out of Nashville. And I have uh, Eric Ragney on keys. And I said, really? I said, all right. So uh, we we talked on the phone. And... Immediately we liked each other and that was it. Yeah, it's amazing how it how it all comes together. I mean, it's the it's the brilliant thing about Frontiers is that when they when they do manage to get it right, they get it really right. Well, well the good thing about Frontiers is, you know, I always say great things about Frontier for very specific reasons. Um, they are the only label uh, doing what they do. Um, they, they they love AOR music, they love eighties music, and they really. They they are carrying the, the 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 flag when no one else is doing is doing that not, not these days. If you remember back in the days in the 80s, all the labels used to love 
Motley Crue and, and all those bands like my band and Lords in the Warrant and everything. And when, and that music, um, kind of vanished all of a sudden, no one could be arrested. They would not even return the labels would never return anyone's phone call. Although some of the bands made them millions of dollars, millions and millions of dollars, you know, Motley Crue, Poison, Ozzy, all those guys, you know, they, and, and those labels turned their back on them, which is a shame, you know, so. All those record executives, they took the money, all those attorneys, they took the money and they said after that, fuck you, we're not going to talk to crew, we're not going to talk to to great bands, um, I, like Ranger and Van Halen, we're not going to drop them all. And, and it's really sad, you know, but nowadays Frontiers is the only one still doing that, allowing other bands like Whitesnake and, 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 and all those great bands to, to continue releasing albums with a great promotion. So got to thank them, you know, absolutely. So in the case of the album, let's talk about, you know, the songwriting. I mean, there's there's some amazing songs. Like, how did you and Fabrizio kind of split up the work? Well, um, it was a bit, first of all, they sent me a bunch of songs. Uh, they said, okay, this guitar player named Serge, uh, Serge or, or, Sir, or Serge, depending on how you want to pronounce his name, um, um, Serge uh, wrote a bunch of songs and he sent me some ideas. He said, well, this is what I have for the verse. Well, you know. I said, all right, it's great. Um, out of 20-something songs, I think we, we decided to uh, retain uh, three or four. That was really good. And um, I said, okay, I do have songs. As a songwriter, I have written a lot of songs over the past 10 years. And uh, I said, maybe that this is going to fit. And um, we ended up using eight of my songs, um, eight or seven, I'm not sure. Um, uh, I didn't have any lyrics, so I wrote the I wrote the melody and the music, and uh, I hooked up with my dear friend J.K. Northrop, and uh, I asked, I called J.K. I said, can you write the lyrics? He said, absolutely. So J.K. wrote the lyrics, I wrote the music, and Sergey also wrote some music as well. Uh, it was a collaboration, and the glue to that is Fabrizio. Fabrizio was the glue because he really, uh, when he heard something, when I would do something, uh, I would bring a, a song. Um, uh, uh, let me get my guitar. For example, when I brought, when I dropped, I got the song uh, Rescue Me, so I did this. Uh. Anyway, when he heard that, he said, I like that. What do you have for that? I said, In my mind, there's so many things. Came too easy to me. Like if I love, and what does it bring? Whatever. And he, he said, I said, this is a great song, and I want to do that. I want to produce it. So he arranged it differently. Uh, um, and uh, and that was it. And I hooked up with uh, JK, who actually wrote those lyrics. Uh, I didn't have any lyrics when I presented the song, and JK. Uh, uh, wrote great lyrics and 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 he you know has the song. <laughs> you know, but again, you just there you go, proven why you're one of our favorite singers right there. I mean, it's just <laughs> plucking it up and and ready to go. Um, you know, I mean, Runaway is one of my is probably my favorite song of the album. But I oh, I, I have a by, real hard time. Yeah, Serge wrote that song. You know. He wrote it. He presented it to me. He said, what do you think? I'm like, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't hear it yet. And he said, wait a minute. Check out the melody. 
And I was like, oh, I get it. It's great. Uh, yeah, that was his song. Uh, all I did is uh, uh, work on it, uh, rearrange. Yeah, I came up with the, the the bridge. He had the verse or something like that. I forgot. It was a collaboration. Uh, it was a great song. He wrote. He wrote the the, the song and uh, and and Jeff uh, JK did um, the lyrics and and he said, "What do you think?" I'm like, "It's great. Let's do it." <laughs> <laughs> My favorite is actually somewhere down the line. And oh yeah, I, I just also write- like. Love long summer days. Oh, I'll catch you wrong. Oh, forget yeah. it. Yeah. I know you did me wrong. I forget, yeah. I wrote that song uh, for XYZ, actually. Um, It was supposed to be on the new XYZ album. I wrote it for, for, for XYZ. I presented the song. They liked it. Um, But it didn't work out for some reason. Pat said, eh, I don't know. But uh, <clears throat> was for X Y Z. I wrote a lot of the songs for X Y Z actually. Uh, Rescue me was for X Y Z actually. Uh, but didn't happen. Uh, there was others. Other songs also were for X Y Z. Just didn't end up being on the on the X Y Z album. So I used them for the Land of Gypsies. Long summer days is also one of my favorites, and I could have pictured that as a an X Y Z song for sure. It's funny. Thank you. You're mentioning that. Everybody's mentioning that song. I'm, I'm so surprised, actually. I didn't expect anything. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, uh... I wrote that song, believe it or not, 10 years ago for someone, Rodney, and uh, I presented the song to the guy and I said, you like it? He's like, yeah, I like it. But it, it we had an issue with the label. The song was supposed to be actually on the label, and the label didn't want to go for that. They said, oh, no, we want something uh, different. Said, All right. So uh, I kept the song, and the song was, you know, I didn't do anything with the song. And all of a sudden, um, uh, when we needed another song, the last song, uh, uh, Fabrizio said, you have one last one last song. I'm like, well, I have this one, but I don't know if you're going to like it. He's like, okay, pray for me. And I did. He said, it's done. I'm like, okay, you got it. We like it. We like it. Don't that's, worry. That's for sure. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that part. You know, it, what's it like then working with Fabrizio, especially when it comes to, you know, producing your voice and stuff like that and just kind of what's he looking to get out of you? Fabrizio is one of the greatest producers I have worked with. Period. Period. That's the headline. Why? Because he understands the artist. You respect the artist. He's not trying to make you something you're not. And that, my friend, is brilliant. He understands who you are. He listens to your music, to your voice. He, he listens to what you've done in the past. You tell him what you want to achieve, and he helps you achieve that. And that is the essence of a great producer. When I presented the songs to him, every time he was like, okay, I think I know what you're trying to do. Are you trying to achieve that? He said, yes. He said, you got it. And he respected my vision. Um, I had that vision from the get go. I didn't want to be, I didn't want a, a, an album that would have huge backup vocals, um, a big production like um, like a, uh, um, uh, back in the days, you know, AOR. I didn't want that. I wanted something more early white stake, early uh, foreigner, that kind of vibe. And uh, he understood that from the get go. And you know what? That, that's why he's a great producer. And I don't say that easily. I don't. I've worked with so many great people in my life, and and I, I've I've admired them all. But they, every time they try to change me, and not Fabrizio. Fabrizio helped me 
become the person, the singer I wanted to become. And that's, for me, it's a, that's the best compliment I can give him. Like this, once again, feels like Terry Illus Unleashed. Yeah, thank you. Um, a lot has to do with the, the production, the, the, the uh, Fabrizio, when I remember the way we worked, we recorded those vocals were very simple. We, uh, I got in the studio, the songs were ready. Um, I would just do, here's the way we did the songs. I tell you how we, we recorded everything. I would go in the studio, I would, um, I would record, I would pick up my guitar, we'd have a click track, okay? We'll have a click track, so a thing on Pro Tools. Uh, let's just say we do a uh, rescue me. So you one, two, three, four. I do that. So that I do verse, chorus, verse, pattern. But where is the guitar solo gonna go? Guitar coming here. Now blah 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 blah. We have the song ready to go. The, the it takes us about an hour to do that. Not even. As soon as I have that done, I move on to something else. But while I'm when I'm done with the session that particular day, Fabrizio would send the track to uh, a Serge who would immediately um, do his guitar part, you know, uh, according to, to to the template, the template that we sent him. He said, "Okay, well, I know Terry. I know what Terry wants to do. I get it. I'm still gonna change that chord and that chord, and I'm fine with that because he's a great guitarist, and I, and I trusted him. I said, yeah, yeah, do whatever you want to do. If you think that chord is wrong, or if you can do an inversion versus, do it. So he did, uh, and uh, immediately he would send back the guitar to uh, the guitar track to uh, Fabrizio, who, who, wait a minute, no, I'm sorry about that. We cut, the, yeah, we would cut the the the, the bass, and at the same time we uh, send the tracks to the drummer, who would also do his drum track, and then. When I do the next day, I come to the studio or the day after, usually one or two days at the most, I cut the vocals really fast. We do three takes, one, two, three, one, ver one for each verse. At each chorus, I would do three takes, and then we combine each uh, performance. We say, well, that particular line, uh, in my life, na, 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 na. Okay, this one's good. What about this one? In my life, na, 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 na. Nah, this one doesn't good. Good, we don't use that part, we use this part. So we pretty much do a little collage, you know. Once we have that, we uh, bring Eric, the keyboard player, and Eric's gonna say, okay, well, I'm gonna add this and this, this. It's really the glue of this album was Fabrizio, you know. You know, I was the heart, put it this way, because I uh, look at myself as the heart because I'm a songwriter and, and the personality, but the glue of that band is really Fabrizio. How many songs do you write, uh, say, in a year? Are you constantly writing? Constantly, dude. I, I mean, uh, I literally, uh, I mean, if I if I go on my phone, I do this, I do this. I mean, we're not we're not filming, right? Because I don't know. But I gave you an example. This is songs that I have written over the last three years. This is. <laughs> well, all the songs. All. Oh goodness. Now, some of them are crap. Some of them are crap. Some of them are really good, and some of them could be better if I would work with a different partner, whatever. Um, but I write a lot. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a, without being pretentious, I'm a very prolific songwriter. Um, I write a lot. I don't finish the songs until I collaborate with someone, usually JK or 
depending if it's for a film, I usually work with the uh, the film producer. If it's for a film, if it's uh, for a rock album, I work with JK or Pat or, or whomever. Um, and uh, I, I work a lot. I work with other artists. I, sometimes I just give my songs. I just take uh, finder's fees. I don't care. You know, um, I, uh, I'm very prolific. Thank God. I mean, I've always loved to write. Ever since I was a kid, the first time I, I was a kid, um, um, my, my dad, I remember we went to school in Spain and my dad bought me a guitar. And I was in the back seat. Of, of, I remember very well. We had a Peugeot French car. We went back seat going back from Spain, and uh, my very first song was terrible. I mean, I remember. I, was, I remember right to this day. It was like it was like the, it was like uh, I was doing that. It's a horrible thing. My very first song. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> Like, oh my god what can i do after that you know so i was like 10 or 11 already i was writing you know terrible stuff but uh for me it was great um uh, and then i wrote a bunch of songs and then i re i listened to other people uh, the way they were writing songs and i said oh he's doing this arrangement this way and that way i've always been passionate about writing i realize it's not so much the singer that's important or the name of the band what's important is the song in the end, when you listen to the radio, you don't know who's singing the song. You don't know who's singing that song again. I have no idea. What a fucking great song. It is a fucking great song. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you don't know who the guy is. You know, you're like, oh, my God, that singer, that song is amazing. You know, so many songs. Sometimes I'm like, Siri, who sings that song? You know, I'm like, for <laughs> you, you should have known that, you know, uh, um, we remember the song. We don't necessarily remember the name of the band or the name of the artist. So um, writing is very, very important to me. Writing, songwriting. I mean, look, you still listen to the Beatles, or you still listen to to um, uh, Rush or, or the great bands, or I don't know who you who you listen to, but you listen to Iron Maiden or whomever. Do you know who's playing guitar at that particular moment? No, I don't. That's a great song. I care about, you know. We listen to X Y Z. This album is when I was done listening to it, I thought, okay, now I feel like listening to Bad Company. So mm -hmm. I immediately went and listened to some Bad Company. And then I came back to the album. I thought, you know, it's, it's it, mostly I listen to, I think like most people, we listen to the songs we grew up with that we're familiar with. We're, we're comfortable with them. So to have an album that I can say, okay, that's going to go in my regular rotation from now on. That's a new album like this one, like Land of Gypsies. I think is a testament to how good an album it is. Wow, thank you. I it's funny what you're saying is an interesting you know, Martin, this is an interesting interesting statement because it's true. We tend to when when I when I started to 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 write for this particular album, I had many songs written, but I wanted to write more. I remember saying, what what really what do I want to achieve? And I'm like, well, I love I love Bad Company, I love Humble Pie, uh, Steve Marriott. I love early David Coverdale. I'm a huge fan of David Coverdale and all those guys and Joe Cocker. I, I want to achieve. I see. I don't know if I'm going to achieve that, but I want to. I want to write songs, uh, you know, in the genre and model myself to that. And of course, you know, I don't know if I achieve that, but at least I I, I try to imitate in a way that you know it's a very 
of course, you know, that's what I did. I, I didn't try to say, oh, I'm going to do an album like Motley Crue, because the truth is I love Motley Crue, but I would never be able to do that because it's not my style. But I love them. I listen to Motley Crue, I'm like, wow, Vince is great. You know, those guys are great. Can I do Motley Crue? Nope, because I'm, it's not part of my culture. It's not part of my upbringing. I listen to... I listened to one of my favorite albums. It's one of the first David Coverdale album. Uh, it's called, you know, David Coverdale's White Snake. I listened to that album. I have the album at home, and I love the way he was singing those songs and North Wind. That album, I was like, oh, it's great the way he's the way he sang those songs. It was fantastic. You know, he didn't push too much. He didn't try to be something else. So I think, we, yeah, it's a very good statement, Morton. I I love that album too. That uh, you know, like David Coverdale's voice on on like Northwinds, like it's just so longing. Like the things that he does, I think like those are the moments where he is at his best. Like sure, he can he can blues whale with the best of them, but but it's those moments where you're getting the emotion, and and that's for Martin and I. That's the most like one of the most important things about music is how well does a singer convey emotion. It's all about emotion, my friend. It's all about emotion whether it's anger whether it's uh, 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 love or anything you know related to love or whatever it's all about emotion there's so many great singers if you listen to the voice for example i'm not a big fan of the voice and america's got talent all that crap i'm not a big fan at all in fact because most of them can sing very well in fact most of them are fantastic singers they have great chops but i gotta tell you the truth i don't feel any emotion I'm like, nah, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. Some of them I do. I mean, there were some great singers, Kelly Carlton uh, and, and some other uh, great other, five or six of them were fantastic. The rest, I'm sorry, I'm not blown away. You know, when I really want to hear a great singer, and uh, you know, I listen to Stevie Wonder. I'm like, well, that's Stevie Wonder. Now, that's a great singer. Mm-hmm. Of course, everybody on The Voice is trying to imitate Stevie Wonder. No, 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 no. I'm like, fuck, man, stop it. Be yourself. <laughs> it's best to be yourself, even if you're not the greatest, even, even if you're not great, at least you are who you are, you know, and that's what makes you special. Joe Cocker, man, when he sings, you can feel his pain. You're like, damn, is he going to get that note? You know, yes, he, he will get the note. He's, you feel the pain. Robert Plant, you feel the pain. You know, Rob Halford, you feel the, the, the pain. Dio, same thing. Yeah, anger, you know. Some of these singers on on America's Got Talent or Voice or whatever, I don't feel anything, dude. Nothing. Um, I, I just, I'm like, yeah. It's like a dish, like a pasta dish that's missing olive oil and and ingredients like like parmesan or, or something. You're like, yeah, pasta. Like, it's good pasta. It's gonna fill me up, but I don't. F- Tasty olive oil. What kind of oil? What kind of oil did you use? A motor oil. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it it makes me think about a story with Joe Cocker. I remember he was doing a, a the album. I think it was for this movie called Teachers, and okay. it was a song called Edge of the Dream. I don't know if you remember the song. No, uh, he was uh, he had a big fever and a sore throat, and he sang it. And he's apologizing afterwards, you know, I'm so sorry, I was not myself, I'm not my best today, but I didn't want to miss it. And it's like, no, we wish we could sing like that when we're healthy. You sound like that when you're sick, but you capture the emotion still, is yeah. what he was told, you know. And I was like, that's that's it, that's what it's all about, like you say. Emotion. You People, you know, as a listener, when you when you, when you you crank up the, the, the radio in your car, you're listening to the song, you want to feel the message 
the lyrics. Sometimes you don't really understand the lyrics. You know, what is he saying? What is he saying? But you can hear the voice. Uh, you, you, his Steve Perry was one of the greatest because his emotion when he was singing uh, um, some of my favorite songs by, by, by him, like uh, uh, Faithfully or something, you can feel the message. Same, same for Lou Graham, you know, I'm going to take a little time. You know, he's like, you're like, wow, you know. You, you really feel like, he, he, you know, he's not just reading the lyrics. He's just sending the message at the same time, the emotion. That's what makes a great singer. It's not just the notes. doesn't matter if you have the notes, dude. Look at people like Leonard Cohen, Tom Waits. They can hardly sing. But let me tell you something. You get the message. Tom oh. Waits. Dylan, but you know what? You get the message, man. You're like, I'm getting it, you know. Jimi Hendrix, I love Jimi Hendrix's voice. You know, I love, I've always loved his voice. The message, I, I was, you know, you know, thought about the, the sound. Not necessarily if you can get the notes. So many singers can get the notes nowadays. My God, with technique and everything. So many guitar players nowadays, those 16-year-old kids, they blow you away. They do shit. We, you know, Jimmy Page and Ben Allen cannot even do, you know, like, oh my God, you know, but do they have the emotion? No. I, I, I'm on YouTube all the time and I'm like, yeah, this 20 year old kid is blowing everybody away. He's doing Van Halen better than Van Halen. He's doing uh, Ingve better than Ingve. But you know what? I like Ingve better and I like Eddie better because mm-hmm. there's that particular moment when Eddie was getting that note and you're like, ah, I get it. That's what that's why that, that's why he was Eddie. Yeah, Clean. well, I mean, there's so many things that that I have to say about this. Uh, like, because because I heard a track, <laughs> like they I heard um, they kind of put into time a Van Halen track, like into proper time, and it sounded completely wrong. And so I found it just fascinating that it's just like you know Van Halen just kind of went the way that it, the song was supposed to go and not in actual perfect, like, 4-4 four, four time kind of just... Well, they, that's, that's why Van Halen was a brilliant man. That's why Eddie Van Halen was a brilliant guitar player that changed the world, that changed the music world forever because it was not just like... No, he didn't just do that. His writing ability was brilliant. His approach to, to the notes, his approach to the songwriting was different. And... Uh, He's, of course, he's, he's very missed, but he's, he was the greatest, one of the greatest ever, you know, for sure. Did you, you know. ever meet him? I never sure. met him. He came to the studio um, when we were recording the, mixing the second XYZ album at Studio 56. He was there. Um, I'm, I went to lunch that day. I was like, look, I'm going to lunch. You know, okay, say you bye. Here comes Eddie Van Halen. And oh, he's, no. He, he's talking to my player for a long time. He's talking to Mark, talking to Pat. And Mark also was a huge Eddie's fan, like everybody else. You know, he was like, he said, I can't believe I just met Eddie Van Allen. I mean, how was it? He's like, dude, he's the nicest guy in the world, dude. He was, he was so nice. He was, I said, really? Tell me about it. I was asking, please tell me, you know, what did he wear? You know, uh, uh, yes, sunglasses on. I was asking stupid questions like, you know, what did you have? You know, um, I didn't meet him. Um. I, I met some other celebrities, you know, but not not him. Unfortunately, uh, I met, um, of course, I met Robert Plant. I was very intimidated when I met him because, first of all, he's very tall and very short. <laughs> 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 it's weird, but uh, that was a weird thing. But uh, 
I was very intimidated because I'm a huge Robert Plant fan. I was like, oh my god, it's fucking Robert Plant, dude. You know, uh, you know that, that was a funny situation. A funny situation is when I met when I went to Robert Plant's uh, concert at the Forum a long time ago. Um, I'm like, there was a lot of celebrities. I mean, everybody was there. You know, you name it. So I go to the restroom and okay, I'm just gonna go. Take a piece at the restroom. I go to the restroom, you know, I'm pissing, you know, and, and I, 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 learn, uh, I go on my left and I see David Coverdale. He's pissing. He's like, hello. I'm like, fuck. I go on my right. <laughs> Rod Stewart. <laughs> I'm like, hi. And I'm pissing. I'm like, and I was thinking, I was about to talk, but I'm like, eh, that's not, not a good way to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Give me five. <laughs> yeah, right. That's that's right. I didn't have one. <laughs> Big fan of yours. Can I shake your hand? Maybe not today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah no hands at that moment. <laughs> Give me five. No, but it was funny because he, you know, all there. Robert Halford was there in the in the restroom also. I was like, oh god, you know. So there was um, there was an interesting moment. I'm I'm washing my hands after I'm like, fuck man, Robert. You know, and I was thinking, stupid thing, did he wash his hands? And also, <laughs> I don't know, I'm just, I don't know, I forgot about that, but I was thinking stupid things like an idiot. I wonder if he washed his hands, you know? <laughs> you know, whatever, you know. That is, that is amazing. <laughs> uh, it's a funny moment, but I, I went back and talked to, to, um, to, uh, to uh, Robert Brent for a minute, and I was very intimidated. I mean, I met Rod Stewart, and it was one of my favorite singers. Uh, I met him a few times, and he's funny as hell, man. I, I I was very intimidated. I was like, oh, my God, that's Rod Stewart. Wow. He's very kind, very nice, very, very nice, you know. It's it's good when you meet your – you're a big fan of someone. You meet the guy, and you're like, wow, the guy's so cool, you know. But when you meet someone who's an asshole, you're like, fuck, man. So, <laughs> yeah. so far, I've been lucky. Everybody I've met was always super nice to me, always, always, you know. We've had we've had a lot of the same. Except one actor, one actor, but I'm not gonna name him. Very, you know. Yeah, I you know, mean, most most people we've met, uh, you know, same thing. They're all generally very nice, you know. And it is it is it does feel good to know they're good people. It's easier to support somebody you think is a good person, you know. You know, you know, everybody. You know, in the end, you know, guys, we want the same thing. We're all the same people. You know, we wake up in the morning, do the same thing. You know, we have problems. We have kids we have the same thing we have you know except some of some of these guys some of these celebrities have celebrity status more money more this more different different agenda but overall you know we're all the same we all want the same thing we want happiness we want health we want a success in our careers whatever our careers are we we want the same thing we we're the same people all together you know the universe made us all the same you know you know no, that sounds like a song you need to write. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's probably on your phone right now. I mean, just... <laughs> yeah, I, know, but I, I had a bunch of songs. I, Jackie and I have written lots of songs uh, the last uh, the last three years, and they are ready to go. You know, uh, it's just a matter of releasing them. When are we going to release them? It's just a problem. I can only release one song at a time. So I, I have about 20 to release. I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't want to do an album. I want to release one single at a time or two singles at a time with a video and video is expensive, you know? So, you know, doing a video is two to $3,000 minimum, you know, which is 
that is if you have a good friend doing it. Usually it's about 10 grand. So, you know, unless you do a little video with YouTube and, you know, sing like that, which is fine too, you know, things have changed. Well, and it's nice for you because you can have Fabrizio play a, a, a music, an evil music producer that looks uh, somewhat like a, like a wacky pimp. <laughs> yeah, well, he did very well. Actually, Fabrizio did very well in that video. Uh, he played the part very well. Uh, he looked so much like a pimp, I couldn't believe that. When first, like, <laughs> he looked like a pimp. You're like, really? I'm a good, thank you. <laughs> That's fine. He's got a great look, that dude. He's got a, and he's a talented guy, talented musician, talented bass player, um, producer. I mean, he's a very talented man, very, very talented man, you know. So, do you, uh, do you enjoy the process of shooting music videos? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. The last one I did uh, for Rescue Me, um, we shot Sunday. Yes, it was fantastic. I worked with the Italian crew, Enzo and, and, and Giancarlo and all those guys. Yes, it was very efficient. Those guys are, arts, are artists. It's a very, very good. Uh, the location, everything was ready to go. I couldn't believe that. I don't like when I do a video in class 17 hours to one shot. Well, let's move your hand this way. I'm like, really? <laughs> I know I don't like that. I, those, I do enjoy a video when it's done fast and in a very... Uh, you know, the right way, you know what I mean? Yeah, that must have been the XYZ days of uh, making music videos. I know we've heard so many people from from those days talk about music videos and either like the insane ideas that they would be presented with for a music video or the fact that it could take two days to actually just shoot a four-minute song. Three days, four-minute song. And you're like, dude, it's not a movie, okay? You know, in the end, they just want to see some, the guy, they just want to hear the song, and, and, and that's about it, you know. And, and spend, I remember doing a video with Michael Bay at the time for the first album, for the second uh, uh, album, um, uh, for Face Down in the Garden, Michael Bay shot the video. It was like $200,000. $200,000 in 1990, dude, that's fucking, that's $400,000 now for a video. Yeah. four hundred grand. I mean... I mean, are you kidding me? Right there's to have, you know, nowadays you do a video for 10 grand, that's a big budget. You know, 10 grand for the video, are you kidding? You know, so things have changed. Also, the technology has changed. Back then, you know, everything was much bigger. The, the cameras were bigger. Nowadays, you know, you have a little camera and a, and a 4K, you know, you spend two grand on it and that's it. It's, it's a great camera and it's good enough. Things have changed for the mm-hmm. better. Yeah. You know, going back to just you and just the singing and, and all the songs that you have, like, uh, I want to talk just a briefly about Gypsy Dreams and, like, how you chose the songs that went on that and, the, and then just how you how you decided that you kind of wanted to go with that flamenco sound. Oh, Gypsy Dreams. Um, my dad was Spanish from Spain. I grew up in Spain, actually. I grew up in France, France and Spain, and <clears throat> I've always wanted to do, incorporate Latin uh, uh, influences in my style. Even when I sing, sometimes when I sing rock, I, I hold back a lot. But when I do other things, I incorporate a lot of of the nuances when I sing. Um, and so I, when I had the opportunity of doing this album, I hooked up with uh, two great artists, uh, Luis Viegas and uh, Jose Garcia, and I t- explained to them my uh, my vision. I said I want to do rock classic rock with Latin flavor. And they said, really? I said, yes. And I said, nobody's done that before. I'm like, well, 
the, the first for everything. So let's see what's going to happen. If it sucks, it sucks. So we did it, and the response was overwhelming, actually. I was very surprised. Um, um, so I really want to do a Las Vegas show, believe it or not. I want to do a Las Vegas show with that, uh, bringing uh, dancers and, and, and you know, all, all that stuff. So hopefully it's going to happen. If it doesn't, it doesn't, but I'm working on that. Yeah, well, I mean, you've got such a fascinating career because, I mean, besides the singing, of course, the voiceover work that you've done, but the working with Hollywood, I mean, like, how, you know, how did you get yourself into that? Well, voiceover was funny because the voiceover is when I was broke. I, a friend of mine said, well, it's a shame you're not using your voice anymore. God gave you a talent. I said, oh, yeah, you're right. Thank you. Um, so I said, all right, so what can I do? He said, what about voiceover? I'm like, voiceover? Like, what's voiceover? You know, animation. I'm like, oh, okay. So I recorded a terrible demo. I picked up my, my cassette player and I was like, yeah, I'm, only, I'm making stupid voices, you know, and singing in different languages. <laughs> We're singing in different languages. And I sent it to Barbara, um, Barbara Wright, who at the time was the biggest casting director in the, in the US. And she laughed when I, I, I eventually got a hold of her. She said, this has got to be the worst demo I've heard in a long time. <laughs> said, really? Said, yeah. Said, you have no experience. The only thing you have for you is you can sing in different languages, but really it's the worst. Uh, please don't call me. Okay. <laughs> wow. But six months later, she was shooting the Rugrats in Paris, and the the uh, the singer didn't show up. So they didn't. The guy didn't show up. There was nobody at the session, and they booked the session. Mark Motherbone, so was the producer. Uh, and he said, well, we need a singer right away, you know. So they looked, they said, wait a minute, I remember this guy sings in different languages. So they asked me, could you sing the song? I said, yeah, I sing the song, animation. I gave him my own version of the animation. They liked it. And um, I kind of bullshit my way into doing other songs. I said, well, I can do other songs, you know. I'll do them for free. Just, just give me a chance, you know. And they were like, all right. And then uh, I did that and... After that, once I was uh, assigned to that project, um, I called immediately um, ICM, uh, the, the agency ICM at the time, and I said, hey, uh, this is Terry Lucen. Uh, I just, just about to release a very big, uh, big thing. Uh, I'm looking for agency. And they said, really? The Rugrats in Paris? He said, come over. I came over, I signed with ICM, and I started working. Sometimes you have to be, you have to take a chance and, and in order to, 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 in order to to get somewhere, you have to bullshit yourself and bullshit people a little bit. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm I wouldn't say lying. You don't have to lie, but you have to change the events a little bit in order to go. <laughs> and uh, people respect that. They're like, yeah, the guy wants to go somewhere. I like that. You know, just take a chance. Fuck, man, don't don't don't. You have to be humble. Be humble and know your limitation. Man's gonna know his limitations. But anyway, um, you know what movie? What movie is that? But I just said, the man's got to know his limitations. Oh. 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 The fans out there, they're like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know. I, I can see it, but I can't think of the movie. Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I know it's Clint Eastwood, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it was, uh, I forget, a Southern Impact. Or, or somebody's going to say something about that. Cause, no, it wasn't. You know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. So, <laughs> many, I, so many good movies he's done. Got a lot of you know. So you just have to sometimes take a chance, and in order to to be accepted, just don't lie, but just take the chance. Just jump in the water and say, "Hey, how about me?" 
you know, if you're too quiet, people don't they forget about you, you know? Mm-hmm. You know? No. That's a good lesson. That is very, very, very good lesson. Uh, Terry, I mean, it's been so wonderful to talk to you. I know that uh, I we could keep going for hours and hours on end. Don't you worry about that. But this was for you, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. Immediately, I get a little chills on yeah. my arm here. Yeah. Pumps. yeah, that's all. How you hit that note at the end, and we go, What? How oh. does anybody <laughs> hit that note? That was it. Yeah. Uh, I had to do that song when we recorded the album. I had to do that song uh, to do that note many, many times. You know, oh, this one is not right. No, this one is not. I remember thinking, Jesus Christ, we just spent one hour on one freaking note. But I had to do it, and the voice was strong. I was like, wow. I, I sang the song recently, and I did it. And I was like, wow, I still got it. Wow. I was scared, actually, to sing it. Uh, people were like, you're going to do the song. You're going to do the song. I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. And I said, you know what? Let's see what's going to happen. And the note came out of nowhere. I was like, oh, wow, sit around. Oh, wow, not too bad. Oh, that yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, from off to the sun from Hungary, I mean, just oh, I know. so much, so much amazing stuff. Uh, you know, like I say, we're huge fans of yours. We you. absolutely want to talk to you again sometime. But please, yeah. please tell everybody where they can keep up with with Terry Luce and Land of Gypsies. Well, as far as Terry Luce, please, uh, everybody, first of all, thank you for your support. I really appreciate that. Um, the truth is, without the the fans, uh, an artist is nowhere to be. To, to, so without uh, the fans, so I really appreciate my fans. Um, so as far as finding me, you can go online on um, uh, uh, on Instagram. Um, uh, of course, Terry Elus on Instagram uh, and also Facebook, Terry Elus. And uh, as far as the land of gypsies, you have to go to the uh, um, the website owned by uh, uh, Frontiers, and they they have this, the CD, they have the the downloads, they have this, all that, the links, the videos, everything, and and they're doing a great job. So support them and uh, continue uh, buying their product. Well, and I urge everybody to go out and listen to Land of Gypsies and to support you because, uh, you know, the album fucking rocks, man. So. Thank you. <laughs> album of the year. You guys take care of yourself and Happy New Year and, and all that's good stuff for you guys. And, and I just want to say Brett is going to be in Las Vegas in about three months, so you have that long to get the show ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are you guys located? Where are you? Uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Okay, okay. What about you, Orton? Same thing? Same place, Calgary. It's very cold. You, you know, I sang, Denmark, but I, sang the, uh, I sang the national anthem, the Canadian national anthem once on TV live. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, because what happened is the we were doing a concert and I, I showed up and they somebody told them, oh, the, the, the they thought I was French Canadian, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the band. So they said, well, here, you're going to sing the anthem, right? I'm like, that's the top song to sing. Oh, say, okay. I said, no, <laughs> it's July 1st, Canada. I'm like, you mean you want me to sing the national anthem? Yeah, I don't know the words, you know. This is, oh, we're disappointed. So you know what? I said, give me an hour. So I went back, picked up my guitar and, and you know, Listen to the, the the original versions, and I said, you know, I think you can do it, you know. And then I sang it live, and people were like, oh my god, there we go. So I I can say that I did sing your national anthem. 
So, <laughs> it, was, it was a great moment. I was very proud. I was very, very proud. Yeah, That's very cool. That's that is amazing. Cool. Well, well now, I'm, here we go. I'm just going to show you in the background here, again, one more time. Yeah, I love that's, it. That's from our graphic novel about a band like XYZ. Uh -huh. So about a band similar to that that we wrote. So uh, that's how big fans we are of the music and the style and you for a long time. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Martin. You guys take care of yourself. Happy holidays to your families, okay? For sure. You and you too. All the best, and, and we'll talk to you later. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye, Terry. Try to understand your mind.